That's your decision now, don't I? This is the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. The man, the myth, the legend, Grace Gracie. Thank you so much for coming, man. My pleasure. Thanks for the tour. Oh, it was amazing. I think it's great. I thanks for the the seminar. That's what we call it, right? That we did today. It's uh yeah, except not the class. Seminar yes, our class. It was um okay. So I don't get starstruck. I also people are like, oh, you know, so and so or this guy or whatever. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck that is. I sure as fuck knew who you. Are. <laughs> hey, I said that's why I tell people if you don't know who I am, Google search my name. Yeah. You who know? <laughs> He's like the guy. Well, we was talking to some of the younger folks on the company. I'm like. Boy, Gracie's coming. They're like, who? We're not friends anymore. So I don't talk to them anymore. <laughs> but the first thing I thought of, Mike was awesome enough, and I'll figure out how you guys know each other and whatever you know history was there. Um, the first thing I thought about was going to the little video store in the town I grew up in and grabbing the VHS tape of your first UFC fight and watching with the gi. Back in 93. Yeah. Fighting three fights in one night, no time limit, no weight so division, crazy. no rules, no gloves. Yep, yep. <laughs> Everything goes. So much different now, huh? Back then was a, a style against a style. Yep. Today is more like a, a, an athlete against an athlete. Right. All the grapplers learn the stand-up part. All the stand-up fighters learn how to grapple. So it's, a, it's more of a who have the best strategy. And I have questions about that too. But the yes. first question I like to ask, and this is going to be a tough one because we talked a lot. This is the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. So I usually ask, how do you take your coffee? And we decided that you're like uh, like something sweet and not so much <laughs> into the... Well, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, I'm not the kind of person that wake up in the morning and I need to get a cup of coffee. Right. It's a... Uh, I drink it when I'm tired. If I'm tired, just I'll go ahead to wake up, to to keep going on the day. But most likely it's like, it's not like I'm dependable on it. Right. So I'm not addicted to it. So that's why when the guys were showing me the different tastes, it's like, I don't know. I can, it all tastes the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about the fact that maybe you just don't have the palate for it. Coffee's coffee. Yep. Not everybody's super, uh, you know, super into that. But We can change that. <laughs> well, he did. We were walking around doing the tour. And Hoist is like, what's going on back here? I go, that's all the sweet tooth stuff. <laughs> that's all like the vanilla mix and the oh, hazelnut. The I'm like, you got to get on the sweet tooth train over here. Yeah, change a little bit of the taste. And yeah. I mean, it works. But that's why, because when I drink, it's to wake up. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to get used to it, to drink every day. Because then the body will get used to it, we'll probably lose a little bit. This guy. That's how I feel. And then you have to take, drink more and more and more. Mm -hmm. So when I drink it, yes, it, it poof, it wake me up. It shoot me up. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Michael Clancy, how do you guys know each other? Through a friend of ours over in Oregon. Mm -hmm. Dan Peel. Okay. We were out uh, um, Elk hunting? No, that was not elk. That was a that was a bobcat. Yeah, oh. we were hunting bobcat that that trip. It was, it was right yeah. after uh, Christmas, I believe, last year. Yep. Right. Um, Dan Peel also recommering. Mm -hmm. 
Dan met you through, I think, Hoyler? Yes, through Hoyler, Hemoran, Fabrice Morangu, yes. Okay, yeah. So they, he, Dan knows all in like a lot of your family and they introduced you two together. Yep. And Dan was like, hey, you want to go on a hunt with Hoist Gracie and his son? I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not with, without a doubt. Uh, so we met up in Oregon, Southern Oregon, and yep. uh, there's like probably 10, 15 people there showed up. We uh, were About running to, dogs yeah. oh, very cool. and uh, chasing cats. And, uh, yep. and uh, yeah. <laughs> first night, he breaks out the uh, stun gun gloves. <laughs> oh, shit. Gloves that if you, if you grab somebody, you could turn it on and off. It's full law enforcement. Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay, I thought it was a training aid of some no, sort. No, you know, like, so I've never seen these before. Taser on the gloves, so he doesn't, so he's not another gun. Right. It's just a, the taser is on the palm of your hand. So as long as I grab you with the fingers, you won't feel anything. Mm-hmm. But you start to resist arrest, I'll put the palm <laughs> on you. It's as long as you contact on the skin because it doesn't go through clothing. Yeah. So as long as you contact on the skin, you you feel like you're getting shot with the taser, but I can let go at any time or I can keep holding Okay, so, so we are having a contest. <laughs> who can hold the longest? Yeah. Who can take so the it's longest? A, it's a bunch of like cavemen. We're having a few drinks, and we're like, okay, so let's see who, who can hold out the longest. Right. So <laughs> you had one glove on. Your son has the other glove on, and you get in between them, and they both grab you at the same time. <laughs> the rest. It was horrible. <laughs> and I was, I was, we were all trying to beat the record. I think the record was like four seconds. Four. Um, it's 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 painful. It's a lot. JC actually hold on. I think it was like for 10 seconds. Oh, he like this giant one. He was, like he was like, okay, but he was drunk. And it's like, let me see how long, but after 10 seconds, you guys got to let it go. So you hold on. He was like, uh, like I'm oh. taking it for 10 <laughs> seconds. Hold it on your wrist and you can feel it go, uh, the electricity go through your veins. Oh, that sounds <laughs> super delightful. Your, yeah, it's, it's wild. Okay, so you have a pair of these? Yes. I don't agree with that <laughs> at all. Why? Well, here's the deal. I should grapple with those. I should bring it on, turn it on, and let's grapple now. (laughs) Okay, so we had a conversation while we were training today. And I I demoed for you, and you showed me a few things. And it it dawned on me, of which I already know, but now I'm meeting you in person. We met once at Chacha last year, just briefly. And I thought, well, if I ever were to engage with a you type or you, I'm going to have to shoot you. So I said... how good of a shot are you? And when you said my shooting's better than my jujitsu, I was like, fuck. And now you've got these fucking kitty softball shock mittens. Like, it's too dangerous. No, because in jujitsu, you have a better chance. Because I will relax and you'll be on your toes. Now, shooting, you'll be like, yeah, whatever. I got this. You'll be relaxed and I'll be focused. I'll be dialed in. I'll be on my toes. I feel so, like, I feel like <laughs> very dangerous, human, sir. And now you have kitty shot paws. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I need awesome. those. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Actually, that's a great question. What is your, where are you living at now? Like, where, where I just moved to Florida. Okay. Uh, are you a concealed carry guy? Yes. What does your everyday carry look like? Gun, dagger, like what do you got uh, going on? Glock 19s, Kamiya okay. 17C. Okay. That's the SIG. I like them all. Yeah. I have all. <laughs> I like, uh, oh yeah. That's outstanding. Oh yeah. My son actually just called and said that we got a problem. 
we need another safe. <laughs> I was like, maybe we should stop buying guns. He's like, what? that's not going to happen, Dad. So we better buy another safe. I was like, okay, fine. Your house, you open your safe. It was like as big as a closet and it's like 60 guns. And like, we need more. That's why he said, I was like, we need another safe. Yeah, I was like, you guys are more American than most people that I run into. I'm like, I love it. Uh, that's terrifying to me. A bunch of Gracies with guns and just safes and and, and an LMTV <laughs> in their front of their house. I, I he's, oh, he gave me the address to his house, and I'm driving around the neighborhood in LA, and uh, and I knew exactly it was his house. He has this giant LMTV in the front, <laughs> and it's just like all Mercedes. Every all his neighbors Mercedes and like Jaguars. Very flu flu neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. What do you do with the LMTV? Go to the supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> Pick up my daughter from high school. Yeah. yeah. Just take Isn't the kids out. Go to the beach. Yeah. That's Why a, not? It's an A to B vehicle. <laughs> that is fantastic. All right. So I actually thought some cool questions came out. So just to catch everybody up who's listening, Hoist came Black Rifle Coffee Company in Salt Lake City, Utah, put on a seminar. Awesome turnout. There was a lot of folks from Black Rifle and then other friends of yours from the local area and enthusiasts and then the black belts from the local academies and things like that. Mm-hmm. Is that a good way to sum up who is yes. there? Yep. Can you, one of the guys asked, hey, why are you wearing the dark navy belt? And I thought that your response was awesome. And if I'd like to kind of recapture that or if you could explain that. The, instead of the black belt, it's like a royal navy blue. Right. On the beginning when my father first learned was a white light blue for the for the students and a dark blue royal navy blue for the instructors back then black and white pictures it looked like a black belt but was not a black belt it was royal navy blue and i just asked hans's father about that and he's he said yes he confirmed that's how the instructors used to to wear the the royal navy blue Mm -hmm. 68 69 somewhere on there they create the Federation Brazil and the Jiu-Jitsu Federation and they create a whole new belt system. Every, and then with, through time, my father noticed that people are getting promoted because they win tournaments, mm-hmm. because they win fights, not because they know the system. Example, Mike Tyson walking into a karate school, yeah. knock out all the black belts in karate. That doesn't make him a black belt in karate. He doesn't know the karate system. He's a good boxer, a good fighter, but he's not a black belt in karate. So pretty much what's happening in jiu-jitsu because the guy wins tournaments and fights, but if he doesn't know the system, doesn't make him a black belt in jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. on my father's eyes. So you have to know the self-defense system. Mm-hmm. Um, I always got promoted by him. By the, by the way, on, by the end of his life, is the last few years, he was, before he passed, he started to wear the blue belt back on. Mm-hmm. So when he passed, I put a belt like his with his signature on the end and don't want to get promoted anymore. Yeah. In honor of him, I'm wearing a belt like his. That's amazing. Because a belt only covers two inches of your behind. The <laughs> yeah. rest, got to back it up with this. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that. I think that's fantastic. And then you also spoke a little bit, another great question was, competition versus the true nature of the self-defense system of jujitsu and even training today, you know, I, and I've, I've rolled a little bit. I was a part of Academy here and there, some things back in the day, um, we would send guys from second ranger battalion up to Seattle to one of the Gracie's. I didn't specifically go, but then they would come back and that eventually became uh Mac P right. So the modern army combat is my son's actually a rest right now. Yeah. 
is going through the the program really ranger no shit yep. your family created yeah <laughs> he had to he had to learn the, the army combatives yeah so he's like dad he's like i got it i got this part <laughs> is he is he also um you you trained him and he's a blue belt yes blue belt. Okay. he's just learning yes too oh, nice but connery is a black, a black belt yes okay. my oldest son yes yeah. interesting so he's going through rasp and I don't actually. I can't even tell you what RAP stands for anymore. It used to be uh, Rip, Ranger, Indoctrination, Assessment, I guess, or something yep. like this. Yep. So that's the newer version of yes. the Ranger Indoctrination Program. Yep. Um, where is he in that? He's just starting. He's a month into that. That the RASP. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Cool. a month. In, he got two months on that, and then he goes to Airborne School. Yeah. And once he graduated from both, he get his tab. Yeah. What, what is Ranger think about him wanting to join the military? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love no, it. Not scared at all. No, I'm proud of him. Good, good. Man, it's a. I told him, if you go somewhere, I'm going with you. Yeah. <laughs> don't leave me behind, son. Well, tell me where you're gonna go. I'm gonna go. You go to Afghanistan. I'm going. I'm gonna find a, a school so I can teach in Afghanistan. I'll happen to be in the same town yeah. with you. <laughs> okay, so this is important that I say this before I forget. Um, it's really important that when he goes through, uh, finishes RASP, airborne, it might be funny, but when he goes to ranger school, because he'll get assigned to a battalion, you know, one, two, or three. Uh, I don't know if he'll pick or not. That's either Savannah, Georgia, Benning, Georgia, or Fort Lewis, Washington, right? Then he'll go to ranger school. While he's in ranger school, you should definitely address everything to like Sergeant Major Gracie, right? Because then the instructors are going to fuck with him when he gets a care package from you. <laughs> you know, you're trying to send him like some you know, peanut butter and jelly or uh, whatever. <laughs> and they're going to go, Sergeant Major fucking who? And, and then he'll get harassed and hazed. So uh, he doesn't need any help on that. Come on, man. <laughs> they're already doing a good job harassing him. <laughs> All right. So um, even, even rolling today. You were very focused on staying out of the dangerous positions. And a question came up. How do you feel about competition versus the, the true nature of what jiu-jitsu is uh, designed to be as a self-defense? How do you feel about where it's at now versus where you, sh where you think it should be or should stay? Martial art in general, mm -hmm. forget which one is better than the other was not made for competition. Mm -hmm. Martial art, my father always used to say that, my martial art was not made for competition. It was made for you to defend yourself in a street fight situation. So karate, taekwondo, all of them, kung fu, they're all made for you to defend yourself in a street fight situation. So jiu-jitsu, wrestling, judo, it's a martial art, not for, not for scoring points. And right. when your father and your uncle were learning from... Master, I can't. when they learned from him, how was Brazil where they were growing up? Was it pretty tough? Like neighborhoods where they're growing up? Is it, they, they found a need to take that, that art and then make well, it their own. Dangerous exists everywhere. Always yeah, yeah. and everywhere. For sure. Go back to the Viking era, invading For just sure. because England had need things to take from it. <laughs> they would go over there. They would sail across the world just for months and to come over to England. It's just there is but, but evil. So fast so, to know the to the, the origin of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, how they took they saw something and then they were like, let's mold this for what were our environment. It, it was it was more of a they learned. My father learned by watching because he couldn't do it. He was too small. Hmm. 
So he memorized the moves one day. My so too small. Like yeah. he was no, he was weak. Mm. Mm. Couldn't do a push up. Very skinny. So my uncles would see him down. He would learn by watching. And oof, 16, 17. Okay. And then one day my uncle was late for a class. My father stepped in. He memorized the moves. Mm-hmm. Stepped in and told, told, told the student, hey, I'll, I'll review the moves with you until my brother gets here. And taught the student a class. Just reviewing the moves. But he didn't create anything new. He always used to say he didn't invent the car. He didn't invent the wheel. Mm. What he did is he invented the jack. So with one hand, you can lift the car up using leverage. Mm. So he just add leverage into the move. So he just changed little things that made it easier. And by the time my uncle arrived, sorry, I replaced the class to the student. The student's like, if you don't mind, from now on, I would like to take classes from him. Oh, wow. And that's when my uncle was like, what did you do? What did you show him? But it became a quest for my family. Mm. A lot of people thought the graces are arrogant by trying to put down the other arts. No, it was not arrogance. It was a quest. Karate said that the best in the world. Boxing said that they're the best fighters in the world. And Kung Fu said they're the best fighters in the world. There's only one way to find out. The time limit, the weight division, the rules, the gloves, and let's do it. So it became a quest for my family to find out if the jiu-jitsu that we knew, my father, my uncles, my cousins, my brothers, if we work against a boxer, a good boxer. The boxer says, hey, nobody getting a clinch on me. I'll knock everybody out. A karate guy, man, I'll break boards and I'll kick boxes. I'll break baseball bats and Mm. I'll beat everybody. I'll knock everybody out. Well... There's only one way to find out. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take the rules, time limit, weight division, no gloves, no rules. Everything goes. You do your thing, I'll do my thing. Is, mm-hmm. is it true and, they would put ads out in the paper? Oh, yeah. And say, hey, if you want to fight, show if you, here. Pretty much if you think you're a tough you're, guy, yeah. show up at this address. And, go to the harbor. They're looking to see right. if the stuff that they did work. I find that to be amazing. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just saying... Until then, everybody said, well, mine's the best. No, 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 mine's the best because of this. Oh, mine's the best because of that. Right. But they would never put it to the test right, right. To, to try out. But statistically, I feel like you are ahead just based on the fact that your average street fight engagement goes to the ground. And you're better on the ground. I mean, close the distance, achieve the clinch, make it's, the takedown. It's yes. because of uh, they have limitations on the other arts. Right. That's what we find out. Boxing is great. I'm not saying I'm punch-proof. Karate is great. I'm not punch-proof at all. If you hit me once, I'm going down. Yep. But if two boxers are fighting and they get in a clinch, the referee stops and separates them. Mm-hmm. What if reason. there's no referee? Right. What if they keep going? Mm-hmm. You see, two Taekwondo guys, they eventually they're going to get in a clinch on each other. If there's no referee, what's going to happen? Or wrestling, they pin your back to the ground, you win. But what if there's no rules? Right. And there's no time limit. You've right. pinned the guy down, but so what? Judo, you do a perfect throw and, and the fight stops. What if there's no referee to stop the fight? Doesn't matter if you do a perfect throw or not. So we go beyond that. Mm. Our style, it doesn't matter if you get in a clinch, if you get 
to the ground. If you do a perfect pin, you will go for the submission until somebody give up. Right. Did this continue when you and your brothers were growing up? Because you started jujitsu when you were very small, you and your brothers. Did you guys also do that? Test each other that way? We, way we, 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 we always, I mean, we grew up on the families watching the old brothers, the old cousins doing it. Yeah. And it's like, come on, let me do it. I want to try that too. Please put me in, put me in. <laughs> okay. So that, that was, it was culturally going on. Yes. It was just, that was the way it is. It's a, it's, we do it among ourselves and <laughs> well, but always training for, to go for the finish, not just, well, I won because, because I score a point. Right. I won. And even karate, taekwondo, they lost a lot lately, I think, because of tournaments. Mm -hmm. They tag. I scored the point. I won. Taekwondo and karate was not made for that. Right. They were made to knock you out. They right. hit. It's unrealistic watching so the, the competition. Today. The, yeah. Right. And competition from back in the day when they used to knock each other out and, right. wow, it's safer this way, but was not mad. So you're training wrong. Right. Because now so, they have no time limit matches and no submission only matches or you give up because you're so exhausted. So it can go. It should be like should that. Be that yeah. There's no time limit on the street. Right. Again, martial art in general was made for you to defend yourself in a street fight situation. Yeah. They're catering to the viewer. The viewer yes. wants to see fast action. Boom, boom, five minutes. Let's five minutes, somebody win, please. <laughs> People can't sit for 30 minutes to an hour watching two guys going at it. It's, but that's why it was not mad right. for competition. It was mad for you for to sure. learn as a self-defense. I also thought it was interesting that you brought up, or it was brought up. I mean, I, I can clearly remember the first VHS tape. You were wearing a gi. And in my brain, I'm thinking that's handles that I don't want people to grab onto. Your perspective is totally different. And it made it all, it's taken me 41 years of my life to go, <laughs> that's real fucking smart. Do you it's mind? a trap. It's a trap. Yeah. When you it's pretty much it's a trap. It's like, go ahead, grab onto the gi. Mm -hmm. When they grab on, I know where, they hand, where, they, where their hand is at. Right. So, and if they're holding on, they're not punching. If they have nothing to hold on, they're going to be hitting me. I don't want to get hit. So go ahead, hold on to me. I, they hold it. Yes, makes it a little harder, but they're stuck. And I train with that when they grab you onto me all day long. Mm -hmm. So go ahead, grab on. No, not a problem. I think that's brilliant. Why didn't <laughs> I think of that? Like give them a handle, then you know it's a known commodity. It's no longer, you know, the unexpected or unknown yes. of their striking versus, yeah. Hmm. And it's human instinct to oh, grab. Absolutely. Watch two guys get in a fight in a bar. First thing to go is the t-shirts. They grab each other's yeah, shirts, push and shove. Up. Everybody both walk out with no shirt, all ripped <laughs> up. Why is that? <laughs> now, you said that you used to study your opponents. Did you bring in um, strikers then to have a little bit more essay or, or situational awareness on dealing with someone who is strictly good at, let's say, boxing or taekwondo as you know your career progressed? From the beginning, yes. Yeah. Not, not when progress. No, we always train like that. Yep. So we bring different styles of martial art to try out. How many did you convert? How many were like? Oh, oh shit, I convert a I... lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you twist them, pretzel them up a little bit, and they're like, I might need to diversify I, my portfolio. I, 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 yeah. 
mean the world. I change I change a lot of people's life. Let's say <laughs> I'm aware of that. Technically, multi millions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you think that? I mean, based on how, how old are you in that first fight? Uh, twenty six. The first UFC. Yes. I feel like the timing was perfect. Meaning that, like, I, I didn't know about you know, as a young man at the time, I didn't know about jujitsu, and now it's on a stage, and therefore the growth rate you know, over the next decade and two decades, you know, as that progressed, do you think it was just the perfect timing of that that made it so much more prolific and it spread so much faster? I think the way it was done, no time limits, no time limit, no rules, mm -hmm. one man, two men walk in, one walk out. It's like the way Horion did. Yeah. Was awesome. <laughs> it's all awesome. No time limits, no gloves, no way division, and then the smallest guy. <laughs> so, what, how did that come about? I know there's a lot of. I've heard this story before, but I don't know. I've never heard it from you of how you were the one out of all your brothers and everybody. Well, how did that? Okay, take it was going to be on national TV mm -hmm. pay per view. So my family had to pick some guy, somebody good looking. <laughs> so, hey. Don't tell my brothers and cousins that. So it's like, going to be on national TV. So they're like, okay, you cannot be an ugly brother or cousin. Come on, man. <laughs> I like it. Okay. That, was, that, that was quick. So <laughs> that was quick. That's a quick answer. I can't argue. That's all, the that. hey. all right, guys. Thanks for uh, tuning in. How, uh, so modern army combatives. When did jujitsu become the foundation of that? I, I don't know. I was in the army. We didn't do a, a full modern army combatives program. That didn't, I didn't actually do it. So I think it was more like 2008, you know, later on, but we had the, the benefit of being close to one of the, the academies in, uh, um, for Lewis. And we, like I said, we would learn within second ranger battalion. When did it become part of the doctrine that was adopted um, by the military? We start, teaching the, the boys behind the fence at Fort Bragg. Yep. And they have a connection, a lot of rangers are in and out of there. Mm -hmm. So the rangers found out about us going the, the, the red roof in. So they yeah. brought us to the rangers, 2nd Battalion, mm -hmm. where Matt Larson was there at the time. Yep. And then Matt Larson started to come down to LA and taking classes with us and then bring us back to second. Then he brought us to the first, to third, to headquarters. Mm -hmm. And and Matt Larson pushed so much that he changed the, the, curriculum. the, arm, the curriculum for the army, yeah. for the, the Rangers. Mm -hmm. Start Ooh. with the Rangers. And then from the Rangers, when they became mandatory on the Rangers, then the whole army took over from that curriculum. It became the army combatives. But it started pretty much over there, the Rangers with Matt Larson. I should say thank you. Because <clears throat> I think that's awesome. I mean, if you had zero I mean, impact besides running a community, you know, a academy or, you know, whatever, but to have the influence that reached into, you know, the military and the armed services to help save life, save other people through that system. I think it's fantastic. At the time, um, it was Colonel, Mac at the time it was Colonel McChrystal, mm -hmm. not General. Yeah. And I remember they took me to his office and go, and he's flat out told me, my soldiers will never use this. And so I was like, 
So with all the respect, why you hire me? He's like, I want you to build, to give them confidence mm. that they can drop down their toys and go across any field and beat up, defend themselves against anybody across that field. Mm. I was like, fair enough. Because back then, it was far away. Right. Everybody shoots from far away right. from each other. And then he's like, I want them to get confidence. They will never get that close to each other. Years later, it's the the whole war became close quarters right. inside the houses. And I met a group of uh, SEALs and they said, man, last tour, we knock out and choke out more people than we shot. Mm-hmm. It was like, wow. It's been a long time ago, but they're like, they're telling me this. They're like, I was like, wow. It's like, because it became so close, walk into the house, bam, hit, knock them out, or turn them around, put them in a chokehold, subdue them and control and arrest them instead executing, shooting people, do you see? Right. So they were arresting people, became almost like a arresting job. Absolutely. Instead to get information, instead just come in and shoot everybody. And no, they say, they flat out told me, we choke out and, and I like both. And yeah. uh, well, I think the principles uh, and knock to, out people more people than we shot. I was like, that's that's good. Well, even early on, you know, with my limited knowledge or experience with jujitsu, you know, between two thousand one and two thousand five, the the principles of jujitsu bled over into you know ha- people handling, you know how to how to immobilize a joint or move them or take them from point A to point B or cuff them and all those things. So it started becoming invaluable right out of the gate. And then I guess my next question would be, and I don't know the timeline, but when it went from uh, MACP to SOCP, right? The, the, what's, what's the new version called of combatives that they do now? Special operations, SOCP. Yeah. We'll Google it. Yeah. I'll get back to you. Jamie. We'll edit it. But, <laughs> But I guess that just incorporated similar techniques. I met uh, Greg Thompson. Greg Thompson is my black belt, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, Greg, I had the ability or the opportunity to go to HRT Uh in Quantico and work with their knots, so their new operator uh, guys. And that was the first time I'd done it. And it was was awesome. I mean, the thing that got pushback from the office that I was working for in OGA was they're like, well, we we don't need more jujitsu. We need, you know, A, B, and C. I'm sitting there with Greg Thompson going, this, this is amazing. Now you're incorporating, you know, shoot houses with furniture and how to fight off your back and how to fight to your next level of tool, whatever that might be, whether it's the dagger because your you know, dominant side is covered or fight to your pistol or guard your weapon. So I feel like there was, there's a lot of people be out able there. able to arrest the guy instead absolutely. of just beat him up. Yeah, absolutely. How so can I turn him around and put the flex cuffs on them and yep. Did you, did you feel a pushback? And I guess by then it had been, you know, several years and whatnot, but did you feel a pushback from that military community trying to go with other systems that weren't the, jujitsu based? They're always learning. Yeah. That's their job. Mm-hmm. They don't just keep one rifle and that's it. They're always looking for a better rifle and better ammunition and sure. same thing with martial art. So they're always trying to incorporate, but jiu-jitsu is there. It always comes back. It's, it's, it's going to be there. Yeah. They, some guys like more, a little more boxing. It's okay, but they have to know jiu-jitsu. Yeah, absolutely. It's at the core of all things that I've you know, experienced. Some guys like, you see, 
more of a karate style, more wrestling, but they have to know jujitsu. Right. I had a, this is, I like self-deprecating stories because although I'm a, I'm a very novice, poor, terrible blue belt. I was working with Yes, I saw that today. Yeah. It was bad. <laughs> it, was, it was real bad. You noticed you? Okay. That's why when you're like... I didn't want to say anything, but you brought it up, so... <laughs> I'll take that. I deserve that, sir. So, this was kind of funny. I show up one day, and I was, I was still at the point of jujitsu where I'm like, all right, there's a lot of people in the class. I want to rotate through these, you know, whatever. And if there was an odd number, I knew the professor would be in there. And he loved fucking with me. Just my military background and whatnot. He liked to twist me up a little bit and choke me out. Hilarious. This guy, when I met him, he was in Colorado Springs. His name's Tom Lynn Jr. And he was a Olympic Taekwondo guy, right? Mm -hmm. For the Navy, if I'm remembering this all correctly. So he was a third degree black belt in Taekwondo or whatever. And then he got uh, belted. He ended up getting his black belt in jujitsu, started the academy, so on and so forth. I showed up and it was super small world. And I go, Hey, do you, I was getting my kids into jujitsu, which is going to be part of my next question. I said, um, do you guys do a military discount? And he was like, Oh yeah. What do you do? And I'm usually I'm able to say pararescue or PJ and people are like, yeah, cool. And they move on. He goes, Oh, no kidding. My roommate that I was on the Olympic team with went on to become a PJ, uh, Jason Cunningham, who ended up dying on Roberts Ridge. And there was just kind of a correlation there. And the last time he saw him was in Colorado Springs at a competition, but scary worst day. I'll go with my worst day in the gym. I show up and it's a whiteout. Like, I don't know if I can still get there. So I show up at jujitsu and he goes, all right, cool. It's just going to be the two of us for the next hour. I go, we're going to like do the warm up stuff and whatnot. He's like, nah, you're good. Here's the deal. You're going to use your Taekwondo and striking against my jujitsu. And I'm only going to use jujitsu and you're only going to use striking and kicking. He's like, awesome. <laughs> your black belt jujitsu. He goes, no, but it's fine. Cause then we'll switch, you know, and I'll use the other. It was the hardest hour of my life. It was fucking <laughs> awful. I was driving home after it and I thought I had him for a second. And of course, the first time I'm using jujitsu, I had been the striker first and I'm pulling punches. Like, I don't know, you know, sparring and I don't want to hurt anybody or whatnot. We switch and he cracks me and I taste pennies. I was like, Ooh, okay. We got to turn it up just a little bit. So at one point I'm against the cage and he's, I'm sprawling a little bit and I'm like, Ooh. I'm getting a couple in. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting it. But what I'm not paying attention to is he's narrowing my base and then just whoop and dumps me <laughs> my, my, my neck. I'm driving home and I text him. I call him, said, I'm a little fuzzy, man. I think I might have hit my head a little hard on that one. <laughs> it was a terrible <laughs> Okay, next question. Hey, but you learned. Oh, absolutely. Awesome, dude. It was, it was actually fantastic. You learned. I miss it. And my kids were both into it. Um, Sorry, I'm really excited. I got all the questions. You'll be, you'll be next. Uh, I'm just what, a fluffer. I'm just over here fluffing. <laughs> what do you think is, well, I digress. I tried to get my son into a martial art, what I think was too early. My option where I was living was Taekwondo. He wasn't super receptive to it. He was a little too, like he didn't, couldn't pay attention, couldn't focus. I mean, he learned you know, the respect and how to interact and shake hands and like all those things. But it wasn't until he was about, he was about five then. He was eight 
I got him into jujitsu and he fell in love with it. Do you think a, a good age or an optimal age, age to get kids into jujitsu, what would you say that is in your opinion? We can start as a four or five years old, but then depend on the instructor. Mm -hmm. So if the instructor is too serious with that kid, the kid would, eh, doesn't want. But if he makes a playful class, yep. it's a, the kid will enjoy. It's got to make it enjoyable for the kid. Yeah. So it's a lot to do. It's not the class. Sometimes it's the instructor. Get another instructor that that will teach the same. One will teach one way. One teach a totally different one the way. One will be so serious the kid hate it. But the other one will teach the same class but make it very playful and fun and the kid will love it. Right. So it's a lot to do with instructors. We don't believe in good or bad students. We believe in good and bad instructors. So if you don't learn, it's the instructor's fault. Hmm. Your kids, they they started doing it at different times? Um, they all start at a young age. Young. They're all very young age. They already knew how to do it. And I mean, they grew up watching and doing it. So they're in sync. <laughs> Good. Yeah. You said, I wanted to save it for the podcast. What are you doing now? You're traveling, you're teaching. What does that look like? Traveling the world, man. Yeah. Teaching every day in a different city, in a different country. Every time, <laughs> every time I text, he's like, I'm in uh, Spain, I'm in uh, Canada. <laughs> That's so like cool. every day in a different place, man. It's like nonstop. I love to travel. Yeah. I love to teach. I put the both together. <laughs> are people, I'm assuming that people are seeking you out, but do you also find a place you want to go? And say, like, I want to go there. I want to teach at this place. Most of the time, they, they call me. They seek me out, yes. Mm -hmm. But been everywhere, so I'm pretty good so far. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how much do you travel in, uh, in a month? About seven months of the year. Okay. That's a lot. So just got back from the whole July. I was well, traveling a month. People don't do it in a year. Yeah. In the month, three weeks in July, I was in England, Ireland, Wales, Portugal, Portugal, Italy, and Algeria. Wow. And How was that? Came home for three days and drove across country. <laughs> you ever bring the kids with you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. They, 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 they pick the, the, the locations now. <laughs> if I say I'm going to Hawaii, they're like, yeah, let's yeah, go to Hawaii. Go. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> on that one. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. awesome. Well, it's just to be able to involve them and travel with them and while well, you're say, teaching. Oh, yeah. They pick. If, but sometimes traveling like this, it's one day in each city. Mm -hmm. It's not That's glamour her life. No, it's a, it's, I enjoy as I go teach and yeah. I go one day I'm jumping out of plane. The next day I'm scuba diving. The next day I'm you wakeboarding and tenant job. No, I don't have Denim. to, because you have to do it. You got to keep doing to keep your certification, I guess. You want to go jump so tomorrow? I leave tomorrow morning, but uh. I would love to. Do next, a time. Jump. Yeah. next time. Next we'll time. Set it up. It's yeah. like we have a bit of a jump team going at Black really? Rifle. Yeah. So the uh some of the owners, they were static line, you know, round parachute, military type, and other people in the office, and then or in the company, I should say. But some of us were already free fall, uh military free fall mostly in different levels. So we went and spent two weeks in Eloy. And people who needed their license got their license, and some other guys got more heard, jumps. Yeah, I heard to get your license, you got to keep, yeah, or like every, every, every month or every week. Or there's a once you have it, once you have your first, I think it's 25 jumps, and you get your A license, then you, you know, you have to 
maintain currency maintain, as you yes. work towards your next. But I didn't know that. So next time we'll go jump. It's like 30 minutes because away. Because that's why I do them. Because I, I, the way I travel, sometimes I'm gone six weeks straight. It's like, I can't jump once a month. There's yeah. no way I'll no. be able to. So we'll do a tunnel. Plus, just in case, if I'm by myself and something happened, I'm, I'm alone. Now, if I'm with somebody, <laughs> oh, I'll choke you out until we hit the ground. Don't worry. I'll be beating you up until we hit the ground. something malfunctioned. Oh, that's awesome. I'll turn around and be choking you. And <laughs> that's it. Just the one. Parachute didn't work. How did he die? He was dead when he hit the ground. Boys killed him. Well, last minute the parachute opened, but the Tenon guy didn't, didn't make it. <laughs> he was asleep. What? <laughs> Took a little... <laughs> What was your most challenging fight in your entire career? All of them. It's inside of my head, my imagination. That's my toughest opponent. Hmm. What is he going to do? What's in that word? And I imagine the worst. So, like I said earlier, my opponent had four arms, four <laughs> legs, two heads, a 4% body fat with 350 pounds, the punch that go through a cement wall. It's terrifying. <laughs> It's like, yeah. <laughs> but the next step down in that terror like a, is you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to deal with that monster inside of my head. So Interesting. Mollus. But then it becomes why people learn martial art. Most people don't even know why they learn martial art. As they say, I, what I hear the most is, well, because I saw you fighting. No, you didn't see me fighting. You saw the technique. Mm-hmm. You didn't see me. And you position yourself, you put yourself on that position like, man, what if that could have been me? Right. People simulate themselves. Mm. That's why my father and my brother chose me because I'm more of an average-sized person. Mm. Not too small, not too big. You see, you fought some 178. So a lot of people are like, man, that could have yeah. been me. Yeah. It's like maybe... Good marketing. Pe yeah. People see it like people tell me, oh, I want, I want to learn martial art because I want to be flexible. Well, go do yoga. You're going to be much more flexible. <laughs> Pilates, oh, because I want to, I want to, as an exercise to get stronger. Well, go lift weights. Mm -hmm. I want to go, I want to get good cardio. Go for a run. It'll be better. So, but why people learn martial art and they don't even know why they learn martial art in general. Most people, because, not because they saw a tournament, not because they saw people fight. No, it's because it's deep inside their head. Maybe something happened to them. Maybe somebody one day came up to them and told them off. Or maybe they saw somebody, telling somebody off over there and they positioned themselves like, oh my God, that was, that was me. Right. Or maybe they saw in a movie and they positioned themselves. What if that happened to me? What would I do? But then that stays filed deep inside your head and you forget about it. You see, and then a friend of yours come up to you and go, hey, why don't you come try out, man? There's this great martial art location. The guys, they roll, they get sweating. They, and it's a good exercise and you get flexible and you get stronger. It's good to lose weight. It's good to get more. They make all kinds of excuses. But the reality is because something's deep inside their head hidden over there that's that file something that happened or they saw something happen mm -hmm. and they assume they're like man what if that was me what would I done what if what if was and that, then and is that your thought pattern when you started for, every, for I grew up on that 
didn't, there was no choice. It's we grew up on that. But for students, most of them is because something happened. Right, okay. They saw something happen in the position. I know because I have four kids. Many times I thought about it. What if I'm in a boat and the boat sinks down and I have to float around with four little ones? What a mess. Mm. You see? Uh, guys, let's go learn how to swim. Uh-huh. <laughs> you see? Yeah. What if? The what ifs. Preparation. You see? So be prepared. Mm. So, and, but that's why I'm always thinking. Like I was in Spain one time. My oldest one is 25 now, about 10 years ago, maybe more. And we were there. He was 14, 15, maybe. He's 25 now. He's about maybe 14, 15, somewhere on there. Crowded right by the beach, across some kind of festival. And I asked him just to see what if somebody pulls a gun on this crowded beach over here nighttime, some kind of festival on the on the bike path yeah. over there on the sidewalk. It's like, what if somebody pulls a gun and starts shooting, man, what in every direction? Mm-hmm. I look at him, he goes, that would be a mess, dad. Any direction the guy fires, it would hit people. Mm-hmm. Crowded, crowded. And he looked at me like, what would you do? I was like, I look at him, I go, we didn't even, he didn't have to ask. And the way he looked, he was like, like, what's up? I was like, I'll tell you to go inside that restaurant we had the young sister with him, the daughter, my daughter. I hide her all the way deep inside the restaurant. Save her. And he looked at me like, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to run to the bullets. Save the last one. I'm going to swallow the last bullets. Mine. <laughs> I'll eat the last one. He's like, I'll be right behind you, dad. I was oh, like, wow. that's awesome, man. That's the the awesome mentality. Yeah. Absolutely. You see it. I think that that's right. Uh, a lot of us do. I know that I've done it over and over again as these shootings have happened and everything else. Uh, one was in Oregon several years ago. And I think that it's a, you can rehearse a, a drill of just that. And I've thought about it like, okay, what if somebody starts shooting now? But to decide in your mind, like I'm going to close the distance. I'm going to take that gamble because I can. He will miss me. I'm faster than the bullet. Chances are. <laughs> That's a crazy mentality, man. <laughs> but, but like, if, if you don't, who will? Yes. And I don't think enough people practice that in their head. I have the same kind of conversation with my son and my daughter. Daughter's 10, son's 13. You protect your sister and I'm going to go do work. It's a, but that, yeah. it's a, that demon inside your head. Mm-hmm. Getting you ready is the same reason why people learn martial art. Yeah. Because something happened, something. That's the reason we buy guns. Yeah. I don't buy a gun because I'm going to shoot somebody. I don't want to shoot anybody. But just in case if something happened, I have my gun so I can protect myself. Right. You see, protect my house. So. And, And also to add to that, to have the skills to not take it to a level where you might regret it. For instance, you're in a bar, guy gets in your face and you punch him because that's all you know. Punch, kick, the guy falls, hits his head. Now he's paralyzed. Now he's dead. You go to jail because that's all you knew. My journey through jujitsu, my confidence, my ability to know that I can control this situation and not let it get to a point where I will regret it. I was in a bar, this is years ago, 2013, I believe. I was in a bar, outside the bar, trying to get in. Had one beer before this. Guy comes up to me, tries to cut. I 
you know, tell him just get to the back of the line. We exchange words. I look over to my right. He sucker punches me. I jump back. All I knew at the time was just to throw hands. I hit him immediately, knocks him out. He was knocked out before he hit the ground, but he face first hits the ground. I only have ever seen this. What he was doing next was agonal breathing. Mm -hmm. The only time I've seen agonal breathing where the body just starts going into like, well, you're the medic. So yeah. So if you, you crack him in the head hard enough, you basically can interrupt, if you will, the normal breathing patterns. It's similar to like when you get choked out and they do that, that, survival kind yeah. of instinct. Yeah. So this is like a, almost a shock thing that the body does to, to, to protect itself. And I saw the guy doing that on the ground and immediately I thought I killed the guy. Um, not because I'm like special or anything. I just, that's, I only the other time that I've seen a guy do that was in combat when he was about to die. Mm-hmm. So it freaked me out to the point where I was shaking. I, I ran back home from the bar. I was shaking. I thought I killed the guy. I was like, I was like, how do I get to Mexico? Like, I was like, you know, all these thoughts were in my head. And I realized I had zero control of that situation. I reacted because that's all I knew. Mm -hmm. And since I've started jujitsu, I've had, I have a more of a calm um, perception of reality now. Like I don't need to respond that way. I have more tools. Awareness and you can control. I was just talking to the girls telling the girls today after the class got a few of them together and I was telling them my story that happened to a friend of mine and the main mistake that the girl made was not having a head on the swivel yeah. never noticed awareness. that the guy came too close and just for no reason beat her up and walk away mm. didn't touch her didn't rob her just beat her up unconscious and walk So I told the girls, it almost happened to my daughter. Mm-hmm. Two guys tried to approach her, but she calls me up, put me on speaker and stopped them far enough because I told her this story, stopped them far enough that the guys never had a chance to get close to her. You see, and she's on the phone with me and, and she's like, after she was like, why am I shaking so much, dad? The guys were just asking for... Hey, I just want to uh, uh, ask you a question. Where is this shop inside the mall? Mm. And, and she was like, whoa, stop right there. I don't work at the mall. Mall is that way, not this way. Mm-hmm. Go over there in the mall and ask. I don't know. She's by herself in the parking lot. Dad, I'm in this location, this parking lot. She's talking to me, but she didn't tell me until after that the guys would try to get close to her. Mm-hmm. But she was smart enough that she noticed them coming. Excuse me, excuse me, calling her, getting close to her. She turned around and stopped them far enough. Didn't never, never give them a chance to get close, you see. So it's big situation awareness. Yeah. So it's you gotta, you know, control the distance. That, control yeah. the distance, yes. Yeah. That's a little bit of what we did today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that was awesome training. Um, what, was, what was my line of questioning? I was thinking about um, the kiddos. Oh, that was a... So my, my kids, I'm, I'm a big proponent of if you want to try a sport. So my son tried, you know, soccer, or lacrosse or whatever, but the one non-negotiable is jujitsu. And my son's like, well, I don't know if I want to compete. And I said, the worst thing that can happen if you compete or even as you train, and I've talked about this once before, is you get beat up by a girl because they are good <laughs> and they are feisty. But it's the non-negotiable skill that you need for life. Because like you said, you never know when something's going to happen. 
and you want to be able to have the tools in order to scale your response. So question for you, Mike, um, obviously the Marine Corps has a pretty extensive combatives program. What did that look like? Did it have jujitsu in it or was it? Yeah, it's, um, I don't know what, it, I mean, I wonder if it's called McMap still, but when I was in, I was in from 2001 to nine. And while we were in, it was a McMap program, um, Marine Corps, uh, martial arts program. Um, so they have belt system. They actually have like go tan, green, brown, black, I believe. But it was a mix. It was like jujitsu, uh, boxing, wrestling. So they just basically took all the parts of different things that would apply in combat. Right. So, you know, we did stuff with weapons, knives, um, bayonets, rifles, learned all the weapon combatives and also, <laughs> to like do chokes and takedowns and we're also wearing full kit while we're doing it so it's more realistic right we have full you know body armor uh full camis on and sometimes even helmet so you you move different you have weights on you have like stuff restricting it's it's miserable and people don't realize how much you get beat up by somebody else's equipment like a helmet yeah you get you have 30 to 60 pounds of gear on and then you try to fight, it's a whole nother level. The guy is now heavier. He's not just, you know, wearing jeans and t-shirts. So they basically just took things that applied. And I, I'm sure it's developed over the years. Um, it's been a lot, while since I've been out. But yeah, we definitely had to be at least... Uh, it's been a long time since you got out. It's <laughs> <laughs> old. It's <laughs> old. It was a long time ago. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm still feisty. I'm still active. I still do shit. I still do cool stuff. Yeah. Um, when He's doing you... Tai Chi now. <laughs> I saw that. I do Pilates. <laughs> Pilates and Tai Chi, see? <laughs> um, when did you get back into jiu-jitsu or get into jiu-jitsu, however you want to want to? I would that. say that the Marine Corps and, and having uh, guys that actually were blue and purple belts that I met while I was in the Marine Corps, I was, a, I was an infantry guy at first and then went over to recon. And there was a lot of guys that practiced, but... I just kind of, I was honestly, my ego is too big for me to go and get beat up by other people. That's the most honest opinion or uh, answer is that I didn't like, at that time in my life, didn't like someone else being uh, a dominant over me. Mm-hmm. But I did go in, I, I went into different gyms and tried them out for a week here, a month here. And then I just kind of gave into it uh, two years well, almost three years now, when I moved out here, I just gave into it. I was like, this is something I really enjoy. I want to pursue this. And I told myself, before I leave this this earth, I want to be a professional or whatever you want to call it, black belt. I just want to master something or just have it to be my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I want to do this until I die. And jujitsu for me is like, it doesn't have any impact on my head, brain injuries. <laughs> um, the, all the people that I know just your it, feelings get hurt yeah, when you yeah. get beat <laughs> you get that's it that, ego. It's just your ego that's your feelings great right. right so you can have a girl choke you out you can have a, a kid choke you out and you just let it go and realize that this is a learning process yep but it really uh, was attractive to me because it was like I'm not going to get hit Muay Thai I was getting hit in the head I was getting kicked in the ribs I just I didn't like that and I want to preserve my head and you know my <laughs> my memories right. so Jiu Jitsu is just for me all around the spiritual the physical and the mental I think I think that's awesome to be broken down like that I'd be interested to know if you have additional opinions because I see some people I think there's 
there's like three different types of people. There's the people that just, they, if they get through the door into a jujitsu academy or whatever you'd like to call it, and they start, that's like step one. Because maybe they had some fear or inhibition or they didn't, they weren't recognizing that thing of why they were getting there. But then the other person is the guy that gets through the door and they're not able to set their ego off the mat and get choked out by a, a lower belt, a higher, but it doesn't matter and, and allow that. But then there's a whole nother type of person, much like yourself, that gets addicted to it and it is their thing. So I think that's oh, a good most way. people get addicted to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Once they learn the technique, how it works, how it operates, maybe on the beginning, it might be a little frustrated because you want to learn more and faster. Right. But once you got the, it's like a big puzzle. On the beginning, it's like one piece doesn't mean anything. Then another piece over here, another piece there. Okay. And they, they don't connect, but there's soon enough, you have enough pieces on the table, they start to connect. You start to see a picture, and it goes, oh my God, I can make out what it is now. Yeah, it's like, no, then become addicting. That's, that's a great analogy because I know that I, I'm slow. It takes me forever. I need a million repetitions. So when you start, even today, start linking you know, moves or techniques together. It's like, fuck, man, I learned that last one. I already forgot the first one. But, you know, time and repetition puts that puzzle together. And, and seeing when, when you're in a school and you're, you start out, let's say, white belt with somebody else and your peers, mm -hmm. call it that, you start seeing that you're like, okay, I'm, I wasn't able to beat this guy and now I'm giving him a hard time. And then time goes by and like now you're every once in a while I get a submission mm -hmm. and then time goes by and then now you're like submitting, submitting, and then you can feel yourself progressing. Not, not only, you know, stepping out of yourself and looking back and be like, I started here and I couldn't even shrimp. I couldn't even do a hip escape. Now I am up against black belts and brown belts and purple belts that are really good. And they're, I'm giving them a hard time. Mm -hmm. To me, that is, it's a, it's a compliment and with it, with itself and to my professors that are teaching me. Um, and also the family aspect of jujitsu, like meeting you and then meeting my, you know, other people that are just amazing human beings. There's, there's a, yeah. Meeting me was awesome. Right off the bat, I'll get a taste and taste him. <laughs> See, we become family right away. This is what I dream. See, we break um, the ice right away. <laughs> but just the community you, you have, you can step into any jujitsu gym. Yeah. They all have a different kind of vibe to them, but stepping into a different uh, gym across the country, across an, an in another in another country and it's the same techniques and it's mm -hmm. the same yep. flow and it's the same same language yep <laughs> you speak a language that other people speak and it's 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 beautiful thing i i actually did that so when i my first trip to israel pre-covid i was two blocks away from a jujitsu academy i was like i'm gonna go do that where in israel jerusalem okay i was about a 10 minute walk from the old city uh-huh yeah, I can't, I'm, I was trying to remember the name of the academy, but I can't, it was two brothers that ran it. And it was awesome. Like you said, it's its, its own language. Mm. And obviously different than, I went to it. okay, this is, a, this is a little aside, but I went to a yoga class in Israel and it's monkey see, monkey do. I'm just looking I'm like- That sucked. <laughs> it's terrible. But I'm like, I just look, I'm like, do what they do. And all of a sudden, and they're speaking Hebrew a whole bunch of it. And I'm just looking and seeing, okay, that's what you do. But it's different. It's like a, it's like a single person, 
you know, exercise event. It's not as social and it's not a family, like you said, you know, you walk into jujitsu and people walk up and introduce themselves and interact. So all of a sudden I hear feta, 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 feta. I don't know what that means. I'm not even sure exactly what that sounded like. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, she's talking to me. And it's the instructor person who I have not met. I have not spoke to. I just came in, sat on my mat. She says some more. And I said, I don't understand what you're saying. She goes, oh, you speak English only. And I said, yeah. She goes, why didn't you say something when I asked? I said, did you ask in Hebrew? And she said, I did. I go, then I don't understand what you asked. But I go to the Jiu-Jitsu Academy and it was immediate. Meet everybody, shake hands. You know, like, who's this dude that's hanging out over here? And you meet them and they paired me up with somebody. And it is a little bit, you know, monkey see, monkey do. And I'm able to look at the technique and watch it. But they were so accommodating because it is that family. And they had like two guys that spoke decent English. And then I get paired up with them and, you know, was able to train, you know, up until COVID. And then things got dicey. Yeah. You guys talk about wrestling? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're doing no pants wrestling. You doing wrestling? <laughs> yeah, man. Have you guys met? Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. I'm a blue belt. <laughs> <laughs> it's dark blue, though. It's, <laughs> it is dark. Yeah, yeah. I was telling somebody downstairs that I told you that you're asking, how did you just get your blue belt? <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations, sir. B. Hoist Gracie just got his blue belt. <laughs> yep. I just wanted to come down and say hi. I was going to try to put you in a choke. Like, ah, come on. Why are you picking on me? Because I'm the smallest one. Pick on them, man. They're bigger and stronger. I've learned not to pick on them. I've had... Well, the, yeah, yeah. He always dry humps people in a submission. It's weird. Well, I was going to have Dave set things up with two microphones for us and then put you on a headset with a wire so that if I had any chance of strangling you, that was it. That, that was, was the only opportunity. Only Why you want to choke me? Why people want to choke me? I just, I don't know. I'm the nicest get, guy in you here, You get a little man. frisky. <laughs> the ego all over again. The ego comes out. I do think it's amazing though. In, in the different gyms that I've been in, the most dangerous humans that I've met are the kindest, like welcome you into their homes. Because they know what they can do. We know what we can do. So yeah. It changes the level of interaction with them. I had some guys come up and there was a big event uh, for, you know, the professor. He ran out of space at his house and I had a bunch of extra rooms. And I was like, yeah, like send these guys over. They could stay at the house and fill the fridge and everything else. We're like best friends forever. And it was just out of that little bit of hospitality. You know, and these are some very dangerous brown and black belt dudes <laughs> calling me up like, hey, man, how's your kid? Like you are not dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different kind of dangerous. Dangerous to myself, mostly. That's fantastic. So what's your next trip? What are you excited about that's coming up or engagement I'm, or teaching? I'm actually going to Brazil in about 10 days. Okay. I got a real Sao Paulo. Do a tour uh, there. Do a tour, yes. Goiânia, Goiás, Mato Grosso. I'll go with you. Do you guys speak Portuguese? I'll, I'll learn on the way down there. Yeah. I, I showed you the extent of my Portuguese with my cuss words that I don't know what they mean. Yeah. My puta. <laughs> I'll get on that Rosetta Stone. Yeah. <laughs> learn on the plane. <laughs> well, they have that like talk to, you know, translate thing. Well, that'll work, right? Maybe not. all right where do people follow you on social media where do they find Um, you and see what you're up to all the amazing travels and teaching most likely they can see these two instagram yeah 
um, Hoist Gracie Network Official. That's what I post all the seminars. And then Real Hoist, it's uh, my personal one. Nice. So traveling all over the world, teaching and scuba diving and go to Hawaii, scuba dive with some Navy SEALs, friends of mine over there. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Then jump out of a plane in Dubai and then go to... (laughs) We're going to jump next time. And then go to Canada and surf behind the boat. And it's like, no, but let's do it. Yes. I'm in. Okay. Fantastic. I'm in. We'll do it again. I love the adrenaline of that. We'll do another seminar. We'll do a jump. (laughs) It'll be fucking sick. All right. Not in the winter. No, 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 I don't no. like cold weather. I'm a fair weather jumper. Okay. Yeah. We're going to get a fleece line B for it. Yeah. <laughs> Boys, I can't thank you enough for coming. I really thank appreciate you. you. Yeah, and thank, thank you. you for the seminar today. Thanks. You're thanks, amazing. Brother. Thanks, man. Yeah, All right. And thanks for the, yeah. from the, from the Black Rifle Coffee, man. <laughs> from the guy who does Good like stuff. coffee. <laughs> I mean, no. Not everybody should. Um, I do drink. Oh, shit. I just noticed that over there, the grenade hanging up there. <laughs> Don't pull the grenade. That's if you yeah. I just noticed the grenade hanging over there. No, I like coffee yeah. to wake up. Well, as a tool. It's a tool. It's a supplement. Yes. I think people use like, it and they don't yeah. use it as a supplement. Like we use it if I'm tired. Okay, give me a coffee and I'll drink it. And But the taste, taste, no. I'm a, I like my acai. Yeah. My figs, my papayas, my fruits, so sweet. <laughs> All right, go do something fun. That concludes today's training. Any questions? Woo! Drum titties, boy!